Hi there. Hello and welcome to Jordy Happiness Hero. I am here with Farshad Delamy, who is joining me from Pocatello, Idaho. Thank you so much, Farshad, for giving me an hour of your time to talk about D&D tonight. Sure, my pleasure. Absolutely. Admittedly, uh, I, have to, I have to make an admonition. I am not a D&D player myself. I, what I know of D&D, I pretty much know from my husband's love of D&D, which he got started with you, I think, that same group. And he loves it. it. It brings so much happiness to his life. So I was like, I got to do an episode about D&D because I always like to focus on what brings people happiness and that D&D definitely brings my husband happiness. So that's how I decided to do this. And actually, when I was in like seventh grade, there was a D&D club or something right after school. And I was I got it in my head that I was going to join and I was going to go and they like gave me my character sheet. And I remember filling it out and I was going to be an elf. And the name was like, paid wine or something like that and I went and I think it only went like one time and I don't remember why I never went back maybe like I didn't have rides or I don't know maybe I'm like oh I'm I'm out of my I'm out of my league I don't know I can't remember what the whole thing was but that was my brush with D&D as a young child but I want to hear how you got your start and how it's been a part of your life and first, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell the listeners three random things about you. Okay, well, my name is Farshad, and um, I was born in Iran uh, decades ago. I immigrated to the United States in 1979 with, uh, with my family, and I didn't know a word of English. Um, so English was my second language. I grew up in Logan, Utah, uh, I went to school there starting from sixth grade all the way until graduate school. I uh, stayed there at Utah State University and went to school there for electrical engineering. Um, I moved to Pocatello in 1996 and for work, and I ended up uh, meeting my wife here, and we planted roots here. And um, I've been here ever since, 20, 27 years, the longest place I've ever lived. And we have five kids, and um, you know, I don't think we're planning to go anywhere. I think we're we're here. We're lifers in Pocatello. So, three random things about myself: um, I love participating in triathlons. Um, and I did so for a number of years until some health issues kind of slowed me down. I'm hoping to get back into it. Um, I I play D and D, and but my favorite author is actually a guy by the name of Isaac Asimov that maybe some of your listeners have heard of him or not, but he's an old-time writer, old-time science fiction writer. Um, and uh, I guess the third interesting thing about me for these days um, is that I have worked from home for over 16 years oh, wow. for, the same, for the same company. So um, when people say yeah i work from home like oh that's that's cute you know mm-hmm. <laughs> that's nice <laughs> you're you're an og work from home fella yeah yeah i was i was an og who worked from home before working from home became a thing so that's awesome you you paved the pathway for for people like core now that can work at home love, and love it sure. <laughs> yeah yeah awesome I, well, those were interesting. I learned a lot just then that stuff I didn't even know before. And Pocatello is a pretty good place. If you're going to put down roots and stay somewhere, Pocatello is yeah. not bad. 
<laughs> yeah. I can think of a lot worse places. I've been to a lot worse places. So yep, yeah, yep. we love it here. Yes, it's a good place. All right. So you already touched on this a little bit in introducing yourself and in telling us about yourself. But I want to know your origin story, a little bit more about that origin story. What brought you to the States? Once you got here, how did you do all this moving? And then eventually end up getting introduced to D&D? Well, the, I joke with people you know, when they ask me what brought you to the st States, I say a big plane a big airplane. Um, <laughs> but um, in 1979 in Iran, it was a very volatile environment politically and, and there was a revolution that took place. And so my family and I, my, my mom and dad decided to um, leave the country. And I already had three sisters and a brother who were living in Logan, going to school at Utah State University. And I also had a brother and a sister in England um, they were finishing school and working there. So my mom and dad, dad talked and said, where else should we go? We can go to England or we can go to the United States. So they, they picked the United States and we landed in Logan, Utah. Um, as I said, what, what brought me into D&D was kind of interesting. Um, I didn't know a word of English. Um, in fact, um, in seventh grade, I finished sixth grade here uh, and in seventh grade, I was put in a um, special English class. Um, I think back then they used to call it Title I. I don't know what they call it anymore, but um, it was basically for those who didn't have a mastery of, of and not just not just um, foreign nationals, but but you know any any kid who did not have the skills to read or write well, and um, you know. Um, so here I was in in a class with a uh, you know a lot of different people, right? A lot of different um, different kinds of folks, and um, so that kind of motivated me a little bit to um, kind of pick up my communication skills, you know, my my reading and writing skills. And in the spring of my seventh grade year, um, I met my friend Steve, who invited me over to his house and told me about this game that I had never heard about. Um, and so I went over and, you know, I was like, all right, well, sure. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. You know, let, let's see what this is. And so the spring of 1981 uh, was my introduction to Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, I remember going to Steve's house. I remember uh, there was a few. There was a few friends of ours there, mutual friends of ours. There was like three or four. I'll never forget this. There was a pair of. There was a pair of twins, Daryl and David, um, who you know, I don't mean this in a in a facetious way or a critical way, but but they literally looked like dwarves. They they had kind of the, the facial features of dwarves, what we would think of as dwarves. And I was like, huh, that's kind of funny and interesting. But anyway, they're good good kids, and we rolled up our characters and. Steve had this great big map of, of this fictional world called Greyhawk on, on the floor of his living room floor, you know, uh, carpet there. And um, so I was looking at it, just fascinated by this map. And, and I still, you know, I, I was clueless as to how to play the game. Um, and Steve, you know, when you're, when you're 11 and 12 and 13, especially boys, you know, we don't have a lot of empathy. 
right? There's zero empathy for that age group, right? And so, you know, he kind of expected us to know how to play this game by just kind of explaining it to us. But, you know, we did the best that we could. And I had a lot of fun and, and it was a good time not really knowing, you know, what I was doing, but, but it was fun. And I thought, you know, I kind of want to get into this more. And so Steve and I um, played uh, D&D together for uh, a couple of years until he moved away. And um, so that was kind of my introduction to it. And that's how I got involved. And, and the reason I, I bring that up and tying it back to my language skills, um, the original books from you know, that period, they weren't written for a, they were written for somebody with a college education. I mean, you, you ran across words like, milieu and melee and lycanthropy and you know things that you had to use a dictionary to look up to really understand you know what what it is that the game designers were trying to say and so it it actually i credit dungeons and dragons at that age um with i credit it with with helping me learn the language you know and helping me create or not create but um develop my creative writing skills and um which i did for a long time and for a stint as as a work from home professional i was actually a technical writer for you know a good chunk of those years so um it influenced it influenced my skills it influenced my communication skills and influenced my writing skills um and so I, I give I give D and D you know along with other things obviously but with D and D is one of those things that I give credit to for helping me develop myself. So does that does that answer your question? Yeah, I love that. As an English teacher, that makes me thrilled to hear that. And I think that's how it was at our. I think that that's why they had the D and D club at my school when I was in middle school is because it was like storytelling, and that's right. how. I had a propensity for creative writing and for writing in general and reading. And I just, that's a, an area where I'd always excelled. And so the teacher's like, you need to come do D and D it's like storytelling. And, and so I could see how there, there, there'd be that connection there. And I love that it helped you learn English and like, that's, I don't know. I think that's a really great story and I'm glad you shared that. Um, so this was clear back. You said in like 81, I was right. just thinking, how many years have you been playing D and D, and how often do you play, and what keeps you playing? What like what keeps you going in D and D after all of these years? So I played pretty actively from eighty one to ninety one, um, and then, um, like a fool, after I graduated from uh, college, I sold a good chunk of my stuff, which I wish I had I hadn't done. <laughs> but um but i did and i and i actually went and served an lds mission came back and um you know it had it was completely out of my mind until about 2012 um and my oldest son who had um who had turned 12 at the time um kind of got on my case to he wanted to play i still had a i still had a stack of my stuff um I had toted it around for you know a number of years, um, you know when I when I especially you know since obviously when I moved up to Pocatello and anyway, 
So um, he had looked at some of that stuff and our next door neighbor, uh, Chris, also had played. And so between Cameron wanting to play and Chris saying, yeah, let's let's do a little game for you know the boys. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> I haven't really ever DM'd, you know, Dungeon Mastered uh, for a group of 12-year-olds as an adult. I did as a 12-year-old, but not as an adult. Um, so this will be a challenge. But as if you, you know, talking to Chris, if you and maybe one of the other dads could come in and kind of help me wrangle the kids and manage them, um, then yeah, I'll, I'll, sure. Let's play once and see how it goes. And if they want to play again, we can, you know, and I wasn't thinking that it was a, it was going to last very long. Um, so we started in 2012, and we kept playing with those boys and the dads and one uncle. There were seven of us total for four years in the same campaign. When I was I was the dungeon master for it, and um, by this time the grown-ups in the group were like, you know, it'd be kind of fun to play without the kids, and you know, they're older now. They're 16, you know, 15, 16, 17. They could probably do their own games. Let's just cut them loose. So that's what we did. We said, you know, the dad said, you know, as the DM, I said, you know, I need a break. Um, you guys know the game now. You know how to play. You, you know, um, go have your own adventure, right? Go, go do your own thing. And then... Um, you know, the dad kind of got together and like, okay, now we can have our own game <laughs> without the kids. <laughs> so, so we started our own, we started our own, the, the, the grownups started their own game. I love um, that. <laughs> and, and uh, so we, you know, we let the kids loose and they, they played their own game for about six or seven months. And then my son came back to me and said, was like, um, can I come back and play with you guys? <laughs> um, I was like, well, yeah, I guess you could. This, I think a year or so had passed, so he was a little bit older. I was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. You can come back and play. And then one of the other boys came back. And I was like, I kind of want to come back and play with you guys as well. So he came back. And so there were six of us, well, uh, six players and one DM. Um, and so we played that game until... I think it was uh we started in 2016 or yeah 2017 and we played until i think 20 2019 that uh, was another oh, wow. campaign and um around about that time i think it was also a time that core approached me and and said hey do you play and i was like yeah i, I do and and um so i started with him and with uh chris words chris and ryan words and tyler Tyler Jacobs uh, joined us later, but he had another friend, another Ryan, uh, Ryan um, uh, Meisner, who played with us. And, yeah. you know, I started with those guys, and that campaign lasted, I think, for about two or three years. And we just started another campaign recently. So, um, in total, I'd say I've probably played around 20 some odd years uh, with that wow. 20 year gap in between. Um, and, yeah, so that's that's kind of kind of my my D and D timeline. Yes, and what keeps you going? Like, because it's you, you know, said, like it's been. 
It's been decades, but you keep coming back to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the thing that got me back into it in 2012 was um, wanting to have a connection with my son. And, and I start and started my other son in it as well. Uh, he plays with us not as often as Cameron did, but Kian Kian also has played with us a few times, and he enjoys it. He has his own group that he plays with. Um, but it was one of those things where I, you know, where I wanted to have something to to be able to relate to with my son. He and I are two completely different people. We have completely different interests. Um, but when it comes to to D and D, it's some you know something that can provide a kind of a common language for us common shared experience which i, which I kind of wanted to have outside of outside of anything that was you know formal or you know anything like that so so that's kind of what brought me back to it um and i think the thing that that keeps me bringing me back to it is is it is an escape you know for, for all intents and purposes it truly is an escape and and whether you take it really, really seriously and it's your, you know, your lifeblood, or whether you take it super casually and it's about popcorns and, you know, having a few, having a few bits of popcorn and some drinks and rolling some dice, or whether you really get into your character and dress up for your games and, you know, yada yada. Um, wherever you are in that spectrum, it, it really is about just taking some time to have an escape, to have a, a shared experience, hopefully um you know with people around you preferably around the table um and and having that time together to socialize and to tell a story to create a story and to um make some memories you know and and talk about those hey do you, do you remember when you know the the half-work barbarian attacked the dragon you know or whatever um and and having those experiences and and just kind of um you know, enjoying that time together. I think I think that's what brings brings me back to it. Um, I have I have had burnout. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. burnout, and that's a real thing. I mean, you can have burnout with anything. Yeah. Um, so so you know, I've had to kind of take a break for a while and say, okay, I need to step back and just kind of clear out my head. But I always come back to, you know, there's this story. There's the story that I want to tell, or there's this that not. Not that I want to tell it, but there's this, there's this um, adventure that I want to do, and I want to see how the players react to it. You know? Yeah. Um, because it, ultimately, it's it's a combination. It's not just a dungeon master telling a story. I think a lot of people think that that as a DM, that's what you're supposed to do. It's not. You're not. You're not. You as the as the dungeon master, the game referee, are not there to tell the story. You are there to present scenarios. And the players are there, and the dice is there to help construct the story, kind of a uh, in real time. And um, that's the fun part of it. That's the thing that keeps me coming back is this idea of this, because you never really know what can happen in the game. You know, um, the dice can have have their own mind. The players obviously have their own mind, and so the story creation process becomes very organic and and there have been times when when you know at the end of a game um you know i've said to the players or the players have said to me you just can't write it like this i mean all this stuff that happened you just you can't sit down and write a write a game session like this and protect or or, or predict what what we did today and what happened and then and i love that i love that about that aspect of of this 
tabletop RPG um, gaming. Yeah, it's unpredictable. That's fun. So then it always keeps keeps it fresh, right? That's exciting. Yeah. And I love that your son is still doing it and that it was you said it was a common language between you and your son where it was a common language for helping you learn English. And then it was like a language to help you connect and, you know, form better connections with your son who has different interests. That's just really cool. I love that. Um, so there are a lot of misconceptions out in the universe about DND. Um, maybe some of the stereotypes are true. Maybe some of them aren't, but, are there any common misconceptions about D&D you would like to correct? You know, I thought about that question and and I got to tell you if if uh, we had the technology to do podcasts 40 years ago in the 80s, um, there would be a whole lot more misconceptions. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of the term satanic panic. Um, but that was a that was a big deal in the 80s and that was all centered around um, Dungeons and Dragons, and it was based on this on a, on a couple of accounts. There's books written about it. Um, I can't tell you what the uh, Dungeons and uh, was it Dungeons and Mazes? Yeah, Dungeons and Mazes or something like that is the book. Um, there was a movie about it called Mazes and Monsters that was like a, a ABC after school special or a or a movie. Um, Tom Hanks played the, the protagonist in that in that movie. And he was a kid that got involved in gaming and let it take over his life. And he started to live the game rather than in reality. He, he kind of started to live this fantasy game and people were concerned about him and they found him lost in a labyrinth, you know, underneath the university. And, you know, just this really convoluted picture of, of what, what gaming can do. And along with the satanic part of it, it was, it was thought that Dungeons and Dragons was a gateway to Satan worship, to um, you know things that uh, led to the occult, and and I got I have to be intellectually honest and say that that if if you wanted to, you could play your game that way, you know you could be focused on that kind of stuff, right? Uh, most of us as, as, you know, back then, we kind of just laughed at it and scoffed it because we weren't into that. You know, we were about, you know, going and fighting dragons and talking to elves and, you know, robbing people and, you know, just having a good time. Um, but but there was that that misconception of it, that, that, you can, that you can completely immerse yourself in this fantasy world and lose complete touch with reality. I don't think that's so much the, the misconception anymore. Um, I think um, if you look at popular media, um, Dungeons and Dragons has been has become really a part of mainstream culture anymore, um, and that's largely thanks to shows like The Big Bang Theory, um, Community, The IT Crowd, Stranger Things. Even um, the BYU series, uh, the what is it, the comedy series that they had um, uh, was like a sketch comedy show. Even they made fun of it, you know, or they had sketches about playing D and D. I think it's so called. It's, I think it's called Studio C. Studio C. Studio C. Yeah, Studio C. Yeah, um, and they're hilarious. I mean, it's just there's just really funny stuff and. If you take a step back and look at how they're representing the people that are playing those games, it's it's really funny stuff, you know. And 
and um, same with same with the other shows. Um, so so I don't know that there are. I think I think probably the biggest misconception is, you know, that um, you know we're nerds and we're geeks and you know we're we're into this you know make believe nonsense. But you know what? You got Joe Manganiello. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's a big Hollywood star mm -hmm. who plays D and D. Um, he, in fact, he, I think he's doing a D and D project on the side right now to bring some of this, um, some of the cultural aspects of it to life. Mike Myers, the comedian and actor, plays D and D. Uh, Vin Diesel, an action movie star, plays D and D, and and the list goes on. So, so misconceptions. <laughs> I mean, I I don't think that it's it's seen as as weird and wacky as it used to be. You know, I, I, there's yeah. a lot yeah. of people playing it now. In fact, if you would talk to, we have a term in the in the gaming community, grognard, which is you know the old time players, and I'm a grognard, right? So I started back in the '80s. Um, for me, and, and I don't mean to say this in a in a um, uh, pejorative way, but um, uh, it's become too popular almost, you know, it's kind of like when you're, you know, you know, when you have your favorite team and you're all invested in your favorite team, and then you have your, your fair weather fans that come and go. Um, it's kind of become that kind of an environment, right? Where you have people who, who, who really want to do just, you know, eat popcorn and put back a few drinks and, you know, roll some dice and, and that's okay. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but it's kind of reached that status now. I think it's very common; everybody knows about it. You know, it's it's in our day-to-day -day conversation. So, are there misconceptions? There probably are. Um, am I worried about it, or do I think we need to to somehow correct them? Not really. Mm -hmm. you know, it's not worth the battle, I, I don't think. And um, you know, I think the best attitude is to you know if people are making fun of you for playing dnd then join join them and make fun of yourself the yeah. best for that is just to laugh at yourself about the silly nonsense hobby that you have you know yes and that's that's what happens a lot on some of the different shows i feel like when stranger things came out and got so popular that's when there was like a huge resurgence of popularity yeah. for dnd like and the other shows are kind of just mocking D D, but then when that came out and that came out it's set in the 80s so that's when it was like evil they they were the hellfire club or whatever but right. but it, it i think it sparked a ton of interest in D D and a resurgence in people wanting to learn more about it and to play even yeah. younger kids i can remember right. when my when my daughters and their friends asked core if he would do a little campaign and i was like really like it was just very interesting uh, but it's because they did it on stranger things they did and you know the other thing the other variable in that um resurgence was COVID. oh yes so so people were really interested in in and that's where the online um gaming uh kind of picked up and, and in fact you know i tried playing with uh, uh cores group you know with our group um a couple of times and i think we had two or three games online and for me personally, I don't like it. I, I much, much prefer the personal one-to-one -one interaction, um, you know, a physical interaction as opposed to, you know, an online interaction for that kind of setting where, you know, your games are gonna last two or three or four hours. 
Um, but yeah, there's, there's, it, you're absolutely right. Stranger Things, I think, made it cool, right? Um, and uh, you know, the other shows kind of brought it more into the the conversation of of the public. So, yeah. yeah. I agree. Actually, it's been a lifeline for Core that he has the capability to still play his campaigns with people across the country since we moved yeah. to North Carolina. It's been it's cool that that's available for some people, but he also really enjoys the playing in person when he has yeah. the chance to. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I forgot to share my quote of the day at the beginning of our conversation, so I feel like I better plug it in now. Okay. And now that we've been talking about uh, some of the things that D&D entails, but the quote of the day is, I learned how to comfort myself among trolls, elves, hobbits, or goblins. I learned that a friend can be lost to greed and avarice. I learned that solving riddles may be as important a survival skill as bowmanship. I know how to talk to a dragon and that it's best not to. Uh, that's Karen Joy Fowler. And I thought that was pretty fitting for... D and just the whole all the imagination and the the world that i feel like is the reason that the people who are faithful lifelong D Ders, the reason they get into it and it leads me right into my next question for you farshad what character do you prefer to play and why um i've i've been a dm for most of my life so i don't i don't actually i haven't had a ton of uh opportunities to play characters i've played clerics i've played rangers um when i very very first started i really liked playing elves um just because they had better stats you know and better capabilities so it was a very it was a very crunchy oriented kind of a uh player um in in the current game that i have the opportunity to be a player i'm playing a dwarven artificer and i've really enjoyed him um he's kind of a a, a spellcaster a warrior and a and a magic uh, magic user so it and and, he, and he's kind of an engineer he has an engineering mind which is what i do for a living so it's he's kind of a reflection of a little bit not a lot but he's kind of a reflection of me and um you know, whereas I tend to steal my tongue and, and not say anything, you know, rude in real life, uh, Gus Silverbottom gets away with a lot because he has a, he has no filter. And so he just kind of, you know, says what he's, what he's on his mind and, and uh, you know, does his thing. But I've, I really enjoyed playing him. Uh, it's been a lot of fun um, to, to kind of develop him and, and really have fun with the others playing. Um, but yeah, most of the time I'm a DM. So I don't really get a chance to focus on one player or one character. And so I have to, I have to play, you know, a lot of different characters, a lot of different NPCs, non-player characters and monsters and whatnot. So, yeah. Well, that's fun. That reminds me a lot of my passion. Well, one of my many passions, this theater. And one of the right. most fun things about theater is when you get to play a character that has attributes that are not, like you because then you get to kind of be outside of yourself and maybe be something that you're not comfortable with as yourself you know but you get to be that on stage and and i feel like that's the same and I, a lot of my actor friends a lot of my thespian friends also play D D, and maybe that's 
part of the connection is because it's fun to play a character that isn't just like you. Yeah, it is. And I think I think you know within a within a within an acting um, environment, you know, whether it's a play or a movie or what have you, um, you can get get away with you know playing your character. Uh, and and you need to play your character, right? But you also have to remember, you know, there's dialogue, there's there's uh, you know, it, it moves the the story forward in a particular way. You know, those those actors are are part and parcel of the whole story, right? Um, with Dungeons and Dragons or with any any tabletop playing game, you kind of have to 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 temper that a little bit because because there are real, you know, it's not just um, you want to separate the character that you're playing from the people that you're playing with, right? Um, you have to understand that that you can take it a little too far, right? And you can hurt people's feelings by the things that you do and you say, right? As a as a as a player character, as a you know as a player in the game, and so one of the one of the you know things that uh, you have to be careful of is saying, well, that's what my character would do, you know. My character is a thief or a rogue, and he would he would backstab the paladin or the magic user or the wizard in my party to get the gem that he just got in his hand. Well, that's what my character would do. Well, no, don't be a jerk. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, you know, have you know, be aware of this social contract that is at the gaming table, which is you know, the, and the biggest part of it is you know, we're here to have fun, and we're here to help each other have fun, and so so don't be a jerk when you play. Mm. Um, you know, and so so you have to kind of be aware of that, have an awareness of that, and that's where you know, going back to a comment that I made earlier, you know, twelve-year-olds don't have a whole lot of, of empathy, right? So they're doing stuff like that left and right. right? Yeah. Adults, it's different. You know, you, you've got to be careful about how you handle adults, and and you know, as long as everybody's on the same playing field, you know, you know everybody understands that social contract and what you're there to do, and everybody agrees then um you know it can be a great experience but if you start to kind of go off the rails then it can kind of turn sour so you have to have to watch that and kind of be careful about that so yeah that makes sense i've had a lot of experience working with 12 year olds so <laughs> I, didn't know. Yeah. I, I was feeling that i was feeling that all right so what has been your favorite campaign of all time because i know you've played in many many campaigns some of them multi-year campaigns what has been yeah. your favorite one um i don't have one um <laughs> and and the reason for that is that i think every campaign i've played in has had its own flavor and its own storyline and its own um um genesis if you will and its own development and they're different they're all very different um i can tell you that yeah i thought about this a lot and i don't know if this is the right way to answer this question for you or i don't know if there's necessarily a, a wrong or right way to answer this but my most favorite campaigns have been those that have involved a good mix of of serious content with um some slapstick <laughs> you know where we where we've not necessarily slapstick i guess that's not the right kind of comedy but where we have we have laughed a lot just because of the silly things that the characters have done 
right? Um, and and my some of my most favorite games as a dungeon master have been where um, there's a twist introduced at the very end of the game, you know, that will leave the players wanting to come back and and resolve that you know that story or that point or you know figure out figure things out for the end, if you will. Um, and and to that end, I I can probably tell you about favorite games, individual sessions or sets of sessions that I've had with with my players. But as far as a favorite campaign goes, I would say all of the all of the campaigns that I have played in are my favorite because they each have they each have their own characteristic, they each have their own unique storyline and events and things that have. Um, you know, given us a lot of laughs and a lot of aha moments and oh wow moments and whatnot. So it's hard for me to answer that. Um, I would say I would say if if you were to put gaming on a spectrum of where one end of it is Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and the other end of it is uh, Lord of the Rings. You know, a lot of gravitas and a lot of serious. You know, there's not a whole lot of ha ha moments in that. Whereas with Monty Python, it's all ha ha moments, right? There's not a not a single moment of it that is that is serious, right? Um, yep. My my gaming and my kind of uh, DMing aesthetic is is somewhere in the middle, right? And and if you if you ask some of my players, they they might think or they might say, well, it's more closer to Monty Python than it is to you know to Lord of the Rings um but but that's kind of where i see myself is is and where i enjoy the game the most is there's there's seriousness and there's a a plot and you're moving forward and you're making serious decisions and doing serious things but there's also a lot of moments of laughter and just silliness and you know stupid things people doing stupid things and dm reacting to that and the players reacting to that and, you know I, so that, that's kind of where i sit with that it's like yeah. my kids you know, I don't, I don't have a favorite child. I keep telling my kids that. I don't have, none of you are my favorite, you know? Yeah, mm. I, I love you all the same. You know, you have your own characteristics and your own ways of doing things and, and they're perfectly fine. Yes, I like that. And it's true. They're all, they all come with their own things that make them different, that make them awesome. Right. All right. So referring back to today's quote, uh, Karen J. Fowler said that she learned to comfort herself among the trolls, elves, hobbits, or goblins. So I ask you, how have you found comfort in D&D? Well, you know, that's a, that's a really interesting question and a, and a very personal one. Um, and um, it, it actually reminded me of a quote that I found um, a, a few years back. It's by um, G.K. Chesterton and it says, or Chesterton, and it says, um, fairy tales do not tell ch children dragons exist. Children already know the dragons exist. Fairy tales tell children the dragons can be killed. Um, of our five kids, four of them are living. Uh, we lost one of our sons to uh, brain cancer about five years ago. In fact, in about uh, a week's time, it's his anniversary, his fifth year anniversary of his passing. And, and that was, uh, I um, just a tremendously, tremendously difficult time for me personally, as well as for my family. 
and I didn't want to play. I didn't want to, you know, when he was sick, you know, I, I, he was, he fought the cancer for about 14 months and, and um, I just didn't want to have anything to do with, with gaming or anything else. It was all consuming for me to just be focused on him and trying to be focused on my family and my wife who is wise and, and sweet and wonderful said, no, you need to play. You need to keep playing. Um, so I, I did. And, and it was, you know, at every game I was like, man, I feel really guilty. You know, I should be holding Cody's hand or your, or, you know, being with him. But, um, sorry. We kept playing, you know, and, uh, Cameron, you know, kept playing and, and her, her little group kept playing and, um, we didn't play often. We played maybe once a month, still only about once, maybe twice a month if we're really, really lucky, but we'd get together once a month and, and we'd play when, when we could. And there were times when I couldn't because things were hard and, but we kept playing and, and Sadie, you know, encouraged us as a family to keep doing normal things because life couldn't stop. And for me during that time, um, that was my, that was my, uh, uh, comfort. You know, that was my, that was the time that I could have to just uh, escape the reality of what we were facing for just a few hours a day, you know, a few hours a, a month, you know. And um, so for me, gaming was, was really the only way that I, that kind of helped me keep my sanity at a, at a you know, at a mundane level. You know, of course, there is there's your faith, your personal faith, and all of those other good things that are good and appropriate, and you should rely on those kinds of things. And I did, but for me, the gaming aspect of it was something to just take my mind away from the heaviness of what I was feeling and the heaviness of what I was going through and my, what my family was going through. So it really did provide a lot of comfort for me, um, among other things, right? I don't want to make it sound like that was the only thing, but um, yeah, I think, I think it can, I think, I think these kinds of experiences can be very cathartic in some sense. Right. Uh, but we have to be careful about understanding that, that, um, you know, when, when there are serious problems and, and when there are serious issues that you're facing in your life, this is not the only means of, of handling it. You know, escaping into a, a fantasy world is not, um, shouldn't be your only go-to. And I know people who, who that, 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 that's what they do and it's unhealthy. Right. Yes. There's, then, there's like healthy, healthy escapism. And then, you know, when it's a little unhealthy. bit like fantasy, yeah. When fantasizing, but I think that it's absolutely, incredible sadie is an incredible woman i love sadie you're gonna have to send my love to her but i think it's absolutely incredible that she was wise enough to say hey no like you need these moments you this and that we can any of us can have passions no, if it's dnd if it's whatever it is whatever it is that we turn to that we in times that we need to take a breath that we need to escape a little bit and to have that you know that peace and that 
I think that's why we have a lot of these different passions and whatever they are, theater, or I have a friend who also loves theater, who loves a lot of things, but painting, like whenever he's going through really hard times, having really bad anxiety, he goes and starts painting and it helps like just getting your mind out of the pain and out of the ugly thoughts for just a minute or just, you know, like you said, an hour, a couple hours a month, like even that was, was so good. And I'm so glad you had that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, coming up for a breath is what I call it. You know, just coming up for a breath. Every once in a while. We have to do it. Yeah. yeah. It'd be my wish that everyone would have that. Like everyone would have their form of D and D like maybe D and D is not theirs, but that they would find something. And I've tried to cover everything on here that I can, anything that sure. people find that in, you know, because how powerful is that to have that breath of air? It's very powerful. Like I can't imagine a darker time, how grateful I am that you had that breath of air in that dark time. Yeah, thank you. All right. So Farshad, what's next in your journey with D and D and then how can my listeners, if they are interested in D and D, how can they get started? How do they get involved in D and D? Um, so for me, what's next is I don't really have anything formally planned because as a dungeon master, I've learned that you can't plan very far ahead. Um, either your players screw things up <laughs> and completely be really what you what you have in mind or life happens, right? So for me at this point, I'm in kind of a, a point of, all right, you know, one, one game at a time, one, one thing at a time and enjoy that. I have uh, what's called a, uh, well, it's a very huge plastic pile of shame that I'm trying to paint. It's all my miniatures. I have hundreds of them that have been left unpainted. So, so I need to, you know, if, it, if there's anything that's next, it's that is, you know, painting some of my miniatures when I get the chance to. Um, and just, you know, just continuing to enjoy the game with, with my friends um, as much as I'm able to, as much as time allows us to and life allows us to. How can people get involved? Um, you know, I'm assuming we're talking to a an audience that's completely new to the game. Um, the best thing to do, if in an ideal world, okay, the best thing to do would be to find yourself a group of three to four friends who want to try it. You know, one one can be the game master, the dungeon master, and the other three can be the players. And and really, uh, the sweet spot for the number of players in any game or campaign is about four. So if you have four players and one dungeon master, that's five people. If you can, if you can wrangle up four other friends, three to four other friends to come in and play, that's the, the place I would start is find yourself a gaming group. All right? put, yourself, put yourself together a gaming group. Um, then there is a ton of resources, and I mean a ton of resources that are free out there that you can use to start playing. Um, Wizards of the Coast on their website has some free resources. The rules are free. The basic rules are free. Um, there's a free adventure out there that you can find. It's called The Lost Minds of Fandelver. You can go to Wizards of the Coast and find it, or you can go D&D Beyond, which is their online resource you do have to get a membership to that you can get a paid membership or you can even get a free membership and it still allows you to access to a bunch of free stuff um, and start with just one of those resources one of those 
campaigns um, or that particular campaign, Lost Minor Fandover. And, um, you know, pick one of your guys, you know, one of your friends to be the DM and the rest of you can be, you know, players and you can all learn together, okay? There's nothing wrong with doing that. There's, in fact, in some sense, it's it's almost better if you do that because then it's a shared experience among all of you and, you know, it's good. Um, if, if that's not possible for you to do, if you're by yourself, um, there's a few, there's a few options for you. There is, um, you know, any social media platform you, you go to virtually, you can find a D and D group. Facebook has a bunch of them. Um, Instagram has them, you know, they're, they're all over the place. And you can ask to join one of those groups and, and put up a post and say, hey, I live in such and such location. I'm looking for a gaming group. Does anybody have a game I can get in on? I'm a new player. I want to just get started. Um, and that, one of the things I love about our gaming community, our worldwide gaming community, is that, that it's, it's a very open community, right? And um, you're going you're gonna to find all sorts of, of people playing this game, right? And, and somewhere in that spectrum, you're going to find a group that you'll click with, right? Um, and, and that's, but, but one thing that I found is that most people that are on those social media platforms are very open to inviting new people in and, you know, getting them, getting them started. So that's another option is go to your favorite social media platform and start looking for D&D groups and ask to join one. Um, and many of these groups also, you know, largely do online gaming so you know you don't have to uh, go to a physical place and and if that's one of the, your issues if your issue is social anxiety and you don't want to be physically around people if that's an issue for you then an online option is you know it's a very good way to do it um if you have a good local uh game store that sells Dungeons and dragons products and gaming products chances are that they may have what's called the adventure league and that's basically a kind of a codified formal way of playing dnd um and and it's consistent so if you're if you're playing in an adventure league uh you know run game in uh in north carolina theoretically you should be able to take that character and come and play in pocatello idaho you know and have the same same sort of experience they codify everything they they uh there's a statement or, or a phrase that we have in gaming rules is written so in other words they don't diverge too far from the the written rules of the books um you don't have a lot of home brewing or a lot of um you know that kind of stuff where you customize the game and adventure leagues games you shouldn't have a lot of that so so go to a gaming store and and if they have watsi Wizards of the Coast products, Dungeons and Dragons products, ask them if they have a Adventure League uh, gaming option. Um, so that's another way. Um, there's there's a fourth option, and I and I hesitate to bring this up, but it's it it is an option if you if you can't get a hold of anybody, if you have nobody to play with, if you're out in the middle of, you know, Nome, Alaska, and, and you know, uh, or what have you. There's always solo play. Um, which is where you basically are, are dungeon mastering and playing yourself, right? 
and you're you know and you create a character and you create the adventure as you go along and there's random there's random adventure generators online that you can use to to do that um i am not a video gamer at all but i've heard really amazing things about the game Baldur's gate 3 which is from from what i understand is the closest thing it's based on dungeons and dragons fifth edition and they have done from from all the things that i have read and seen they have done a really outstanding job of representing the game in in video game format um so push comes to shove get yourself a steam account and give that a shot and see if you like it because all the all the game mechanics and the spells and the character abilities and all those things are all programmed in the game for you you can even you can play by yourself or you can go find an adventure party to play with it's not one-on-one -on -one in person it the, the story is very railroaded it's a term that we use it's you know it's on rails so you're you have an objective and you're doing things in a prescribed way but it actually shows rolling dice it does all sorts of things that you see on you know uh, tabletop play so those are some options um if you can find yourself a good a person willing to you know be dungeon master for you and a couple of your friends um you know in person that's always a, that's always the best option if you can manage it yes i like that human connection is always good i always end my episode with a three by three the three top three takeaways of this conversation in three minutes or less and so if you can give me top three things you'd want people to take away from this in three minutes or less that'd be awesome well, um, so it's important to find a way to decompress. Uh, we talked about that a little bit. D&D is my way of doing it. Um, frankly, it may not be right for everyone, but uh, you must be, you kind of must be willing to look a little silly and talk about nonsense as you play, and that's okay, and that's a good thing. Um, number two, um, any activity like this can be all-consuming, and, and I speak of personal experience with that. Um, don't let it become that. Um, use the game, any tabletop RPG game or any activity really as a way of helping you become more well-rounded. You know, it, you can develop skills through, through this game, real skills, people skills, and that's a good thing. Um, I've learned a lot about people by gaming with them, a lot. And it's actually helped me with my management job that I had. Um, learning people learning um how to communicate learning how to problem solve in addition to tactical skills like reading and comprehension and writing and distilling information down to the absolute things that you need there's a lot of skills that you can learn from these kinds of games and should be encouraged in a healthy way did i do it awesome. in three minutes yeah you did i really <laughs> liked that i thought i liked a lot of the stuff you're saying there i kept thinking like geez I should figure out a way to incorporate this into one of my classes, like see if I can get my little high schoolers somehow using this as a tool to help develop some of those English language art skills. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, I can't speak enough to that aspect of it, of, you know, if you're genuinely interested in developing those skills, then the games like this can really help you. Awesome. I love it. As a teacher, I love it. As a mom, I love it. As a human being, I love it. It's it's good. And so I thank you so much, 
Farshad once again for taking it some time to talk to me about D&D and please send my love on to Sadie and to your family and thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity. It was fun.